Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. When were the what schools? Uh, where's that story? It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions about Chicago, the region, and its people. Hi, I'm Sean Kennedy, and it's the season for lightning bugs or fireflies, whatever you call them. Our questioner, Aaron Pavlich, uses both terms. Aaron grew up in Western Springs, southwest of the city, and has fond memories of seeing lightning bugs all over her neighborhood. I had a little screen bug house that I would catch them in, and usually they'll die by the next day if I kept them in their bug house. That was 20-odd years ago. Today, Erin lives in Glen Ellen. It's not far from where she grew up, but things seem different. Now that I have kids of my own, it's something I would like them to enjoy doing, but it just doesn't seem like they're as copious as they used to be. Erin wants to know if our region's got a firefly crisis, enough that her kids will never be wowed like she was. For answers, Erin and I check in with Curious City's go-to bug guy. Uh, My name is Doug Tarrant. I am chief curator of the Chicago Academy of Sciences and its Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. If Erin says her neighborhood has few lightning bugs, Tarrant knows a place with plenty. It's not far from her, actually. And it's a good place to discuss what makes or breaks a local lightning bug population. (laughs) We're in Bluff Spring Fen in northwest suburban Elgin. It's just before sunset and we're wading through tall grass. We're we're lucky we've got a good night for it. Fireflies seem to be at their best when it's kind of warm and sultry. And that definitely describes this evening. It's kind of sticky. Has the amount of fireflies been reduced? We don't really have a good answer to that yet. But there are a number of really interesting citizen science projects that have just started fairly recently where people are going out and counting fireflies. Within a few years, we'll get a better feeling for how the numbers are doing over time. Taryn's best guess? The overall lightning bug population hasn't changed too much. For one thing, the populations rise or fall each year. They do better in rainy years. And lightning bug populations are local just a square mile or so. Fireflies love spots like this fen because the green leaves keep the area moist. The larvae feed on things like uh, earthworms and tiny snails and slugs and little roly-polies. So those are all creatures that like a fairly moist environment. Fireflies don't do so well around lawns, especially because lawn chemicals can kill all their food. The gist here is that lightning bugs are sensitive to weather and whatever plants happen to be nearby. Taryn says weather and the landscape change over the years, but we don't remember those changes. So it's easy for people to think fireflies are disappearing. You tend to remember the memorable times where there were just tons of fireflies. And the times that there were maybe a few or not so many or you didn't see any, you're not going to remember those times. I think that's definitely true. I, I think part of it is the childlike grandeur of it. Now it's time to put Taryn's ideas to the test we got to feel the tall grass, and it's been a wet year. So now we just have to wait for it to get a little darker. Sure enough, thousands, tens of thousands of lightning bugs light up the fen. They're everywhere, in all directions. It's continuous twinkling. It's 
like nothing I've ever seen before, but so close to home. Reporting for this story came from me, Sean Kennedy. Support for Curious City comes from the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Curious City Podcast is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. Goose Island Brewers' curiosity drives them to reimagine traditional styles, creating a diverse range of award-winning beers, including Bourbon County brand Stout, Goose IPA, and Four Star Pills. More at gooseisland.com. We don't need to be the only beer you drink. We just want to be the best beer you drink. Catch a glimpse of a bird's eye. Next time on Curious City, a mystery from the produce market. You're at a local independent grocery store and you see a stack of Brussels sprouts. Nice price, but what? There's a Trader Joe's label on them? What's the deal? Is this store selling someone else's rejects? What are you going to do with those cases just because they got Trader Joe's stickers on them in the garbage? How Chicago's produce markets really work. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.